keep the bonding because you'd have so much space between you and seeing of the thoughts that you'd get the sense that you're the seeing of the thoughts. Yeah. There'd be so much of the seeing on one side and the thoughts would be looking like a small little bubble on top of a huge ocean. And there would be a seeing of that. And they would download into something that would intimate, I'm not that, you know. I'm not that which that bubble is reflecting. That false image I think I see in the bubble, that it's me thinking it, is just a false image, yeah? There's just a bubble. It just pops, goes, boom, 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 yeah? The mind never sees its face as this thing called Paul. It just is inferred. It's assumed. It's implied all day, yeah? It's implied by thinking. What does thinking imply? There's a thinker. There's your face, yeah? Feelings, what does they imply? There must be a feeler. There's your face. You never get a see, you never see it, but it's, it's inferred, yeah? It's like there's that movie. You ever see a movie there? One of the first ones was Humphrey Bogart, where in most of the movie it's shot from his perspective. You never see his face. You hear him talking and everything, but you never see his face, yeah? That's sort of what it's like. We never actually see, we see a physical face, but we never see our original face. It's just inferred. It's implied. We hear the voice that sounds like it's our voice because it's coming from these vocal cords where it's, and we're identified with this body. So we hear the voice, oh, it's me, yeah? There's this inference, but you never see it. If the camera turned around, there would be no one there. That's, that's the original face. While the camera's pointing this way and all your attention and interest is running into things, and all those things are inferring that there's a thing that's seeing them all, that's running into them all, that's having a relationship with them all. If the camera suddenly turned around, there'd be no one there. The, tig, the, the gig would be up like that. You just put, there'd be nobody there. There was an old guy named Douglas Harding who wrote a great book called uh, On Having No Head. Yeah? And that's exactly what it would be like. He was in the Himalayas. It could have been in fucking, you know, Hoboken. It didn't matter. And he was looking at his feet, and he went up his body, and he realized he couldn't see his own face. Yeah? He says, this is, I can see your face. Yeah? And if I see a mirror, I can see reflection, but I never see my own face. And he started, he, he had a realization, there's no head. That actually all there is is space. And that I'm the space that's allowing all this to appear in. The space isn't hitting another thing. I mean, the thing isn't meeting another thing. It's appearing in the space that I am. Yeah, It's a great revelation. Yeah? So it's sort of be like that. Here, all day, you're walking around assuming. That's why you see people. They walk by uh, restaurants. They're always looking in the mirror to get a reflection. Yeah, Because the mind doesn't want to leave that, lose that stability of physical identification. It's got to be constantly reasserted, yeah? Because if you walked around and didn't see your reflection all day, after a while, you wouldn't know who the fuck's, what's going on, yeah? And there would be a freedom in that, yeah? You'd just be walking around, you wouldn't, you know? So it's sort of like, this is what it's like. Our, our The way we've been set up in this camera location is we're all going out, and we're just go questioning, looking back, and seeing. Seeing what you see, yeah? If you turn back, where do you land? I find that you don't land anywhere. You go right through this little appearance of this little happy face, and then you go into infinity. You just go into space. Yeah? Just goes, who knows where hell it goes?
It's just, I don't see it ever ending. Yeah? It just goes back, 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 back. How can you entertain the idea that you stop here? You know what I mean? That I'm like, if I close my eyes, um, I just ran into my cheekbone from the inside. You know? That I don't seep out of this? That I'm contained in this? <laughs> that I stop here and then what the fuck is this? We don't know. And then you start there. And if you look at any room you're in, no matter how many people are jammed in there, there's always going to be more space usually. Because... Like we used to do all the time. Here's this chair, right? You see this chair. So let's say this chair has had a lot of famous asses on it, 40 years ago. Maybe it's even bolted to the floor. And so you go, okay, so here's this chair. And so what would happen is if I moved the chair, just moved it out of your vision. Do you see the chair? Do you see the chair anymore? And do you see any evidence of the chair being there? The only place it would show evidence is on things, yeah? Maybe it would be scuffed this thing, and maybe a mark on the thing. But would you see evidence in the space that there was ever a chair there? Yeah? And did I have to move some space in, like a magician, really quick? When I moved the chair, I moved some space in, because the, the chair was taking up space. The chair, there wasn't, this wasn't space, there was just space around the chair. So if I moved it, I'd have to get some space that had the exact shape of this chair really quickly to take it so you wouldn't see that a thing was missing. Yeah? Because this ain't a thing. It's a fucking appearance in the space. Yeah? And the only way now that it's here, that it's not here, that you can even entertain it is by remembering it. Yeah? You can't see it. I'm walking right through it. This, this, this chair was here for 40 years. 40 years. Tons of important people sat there. I just, oh, just fuck this. And step on it. It didn't matter. Do, 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 walk around in it. <laughs> it has absolutely no, no effect whatsoever when it's not present. But what is it actually? What's the difference between this chair and me? I can't leave. I can't leave any effect in this, can I? I can leave and I can write my name on the chair. The chair can hurt my ass, but the space, I have no thing. And what happens if I leave the space? Can you be really sure I was ever there? You just can, the only thing you can do is remember that I was there. Yeah, a mental activity. So what I'm saying is, this, this may be appearing in space. Just like if you took this, do you think there's the wall, there's space on this side, then there's the wall, and then there's space on the other side? And then if I took down the wall, there'd be a giant absence or void in the space? No. It's seen when I take down the wall that it was in space. The space was never moved by the wall's appearance. It didn't have to, oh, fuck, this is a very crowding out wall. Space got very claustrophobic, it got moved into a little corner, and then suddenly it gets its chance and rushes in. No, this is appearing in space. Yeah? This is appearing in space. This will disappear in space. This will disappear in space, sooner or later. Yeah? Everything's going to come, that's appearing, in space, and it's going to go, that's appearing in space. But does the space come and go? 
And is the space just dead? Or is the space sort of like an example of what awareness or consciousness may be like? An infinite sort of context which allows things to appear in it because it's projecting those things, it's dreaming those things into appearance. Yeah? And the, the definition of this dream is a dualistic one, so what comes must go. So whatever it dreams up disappears and then other things are dreamt up. Just like if you have 8 billion people on the planet, 8 billion people are conscious today. If you had 20 billion people on the planet, 20 billion people would be conscious today. If you stuffed in 800,000 billion people, you, you think awareness or consciousness would run out? That every one of those people, if they appeared, they would have some form of consciousness. Yeah? Because consciousness is not a finite quantity. Consciousness isn't limited. Consciousness isn't like you, you're parsing it out and, oh, I ran out, sorry. Should have gotten in the front of the line. You missed it. No consciousness for you, like the soup Nazi. You know, you know consciousness for you. No, you can have five people on the planet, and they'd all be conscious. Eight hundred billion trillion people on the planet, they'd all be conscious. Yes, because there's not a quantity of consciousness that's going to run out. Yes, that's like mind. That's what it is. And we, no matter how much we want to believe that we're this thing and that we're this action figure, we are not. Yes? We are appearing seemingly as this action figure, but what we are from where we come is not this action figure. Yeah? It's like Jesus Christ supposedly said that when you're in this world of things, but you're not of it. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. Yeah? So let's say, if you don't know what of this, of this would be, well, let's just negate what in this looks like. In this is things, yeah? You're not of things. In this here is time, you're not of time, yeah? yeah? In this here is of limitation, you're not of limitation. You're in this place of limitation, time and things, but you're not of limitation, time and things. Why not let a little bit of that influence drop into this life of being an action figure and a thing? You'll travel a whole lot lighter through this dream. Yeah? And it will stabilize. And then in our crude, very, very archaic, very limited way, we'll intimate that infinite. Yeah? We'll intimate it. It will express through us. Yeah? And it will leave a little bit of what it is through us. And you and I, <laughs> there is a you and I, will be the better for it. Yeah? And so will a lot of other people. Because for some reason or another, it's sort of like in the Course of Miracles, they talk about love's intention is to extend. That's what its nature is. It just extends. Yeah? So love begets love, begets love, begets love, and everyone's a winner. That's sort of what it's like when this grace arises and moves through you. Yeah? Everyone's a winner. There's no winner or loser. Someone doesn't have to pay for you to get get ahead. It's a win-win situation. You'll be used, but in a gracious, loving way. In your own life and in the lives of others. Without any intention in your part. You'll just be used. Because now, your mind won't be in self-centeredness. It'll be in centeredness. It'll have a sense of that ofness while it's experiencing the inness. Yeah? And the solution to the inness is a little bit of the ofness, I'm telling you. 
You're not going to get solution to the inness and the inness. It's just not. It's not there to be had. Yeah. It's got to come from another place. Other, the problem can't produce the solution. You know, like Einstein said that famous thing: you can't go to the thing that produced the problem for a solution to it. <laughs> you can't go to the thought system that's producing the problem and find a solution to the problem. It's not. It's not there. It's not in its program. Yeah, it's just going to keep. It's just going to keep on doing the same thing, expecting different results, like the definition of insanity. That's where the thought system has gotten stuck in its last groove, but it refuses to stop playing. You know. So we're just looking at the whole system of self-centeredness, and it's very clearly defined. It's centered on self. So let's see if we're a self. Let's see if we fall into the category of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That we're a thing, first of all. Let's just see. Are we a thing? Are we a mental thing, a physical thing, an emotional thing, a spiritual thing? Are we that? Yeah? Am I what's being inferred by me listening to the thought system all day? Am I the doer of all my actions? It's so funny that I, I laugh when someone says, you know, uh, I've got to go home. I forgot to digest that burrito I ate three days ago. Sorry, I'll get back to you on Monday. You know? <gasps> oh, sorry, I can't see on Monday. I found a pizza in there, too. I forgot. I didn't know I went out late last night and had that pizza. It sounds funny. Oh, like you're digesting your own food. You're not taking any time to digest your own food. It's happening voluntarily. But now you move to a subtler activity of the brain called thinking, and you believe you're the thinker. You're not pumping your heart, are you? You're not moving your blood. You're not making all the synapses of your nervous system go off. You're not straightening your skeletal system. You're not moving your hips in a way in the, the ball socket. You're not digesting any freaking food. Yeah? Yet you believe you're thinking and feeling. <laughs> Can you imagine if you believed you were the digester? You'd be obsessed with digesting. You'd be so fucked. Every time, you'd be fucked all day because you have to eat. You'd be fucked all day. You know, because your mind would be thinking, I'm the doer of this digesting and it's just not doing well. I'm not digesting as, should, as, as, should, as good as I should be. And I know she's digesting better than me and fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah? The same activity we do as being the thinker and the feeler and the doer of actions, we'd be doing about the digestion, the heart beating, the nervous system. That's why it has not much power has been given unto us. Yeah? Most everything is involuntary because look what we do. We have one little space where we believe we're the thinker. Look what we've done with the thought system. One, we're the feeler. Look what we've done with feelings. We can't even identify a feeling. Yet we write tons of stories about it. Some people are angry, they don't even know if they're angry. Some people, they're super excited and they think it's nervous. They're in anxiety. They're just excited. They have no idea, can't even recognize, and yet you believe you're the thinker. and you're the, It's mind-boggling. So let's say we've been given free, freedom from digesting, pumping the heart, pumping the blood, running the nervous system. We're just going to add a couple more. You're not the feeler and you're not the thinker. See what, how it works for you. I'm telling you, you'll feel so much fucking lighter when you give up the ownership of those two occupations, yeah? 
Feelings come. You know, watch it. You have a feeling, what happens? Your mind rushes up and says, I don't want to feel that. But you already felt it. <laughs> it's beside the point. You're taking yourself to be in a position that precedes the activity. But you're actually after the activity. What precedes the activity is awareness and consciousness, what we really are. What comes after the activity is a mental interpretation of that activity. That's where we're starting to be. We've been placed in a mental square in this game board, and we don't realize it's a spiritual game board. We're on, we're on square number three, which says a mental interpretation. We're taking this, everything to start, and we believe that's where we want to end up. That's where I'm going to arrive. That's where I'm going to be happy, joyous, and free. You're on a mental fucking square. The freedom is to realize, okay, there's so many free samples all day. So many pauses, so many... It's like love. You can't call it anything other than love. Because if you can get yourself into a seeming knot, the solution to it is always available at all times. Right into where you are, exactly right where you are. No matter what condition you have pontificated you're in, it's still the same condition, which is you're not of this place. Yeah. It's always available at all times. So me, to me, that's love. So every time I can get into this thing, a whole thought idea, thought idea, you say, let's say it's you train a train of self-will, when you finally get off of it, right? It's the same pause that there's always been, yeah? It's sort of like being on a square, on a game board. You think you're on square three, so you want to get to square seven. You're on square seven, and then there's a spiritual awakening. And what happens? You feel like you're at square zero, yeah? Then you go square 23, and then you have a pause, and you feel like you're on square zero. Then you go to square 54, and you feel like something happens, and you, you sense that you're on square zero. Get it? You've never left square zero. <laughs> All the other squares are appearances. The real square is square zero, and that's what we're looking for. That's what St. Francis says. What's looking is what you're looking for. Save yourself some freaking time. What's looking is square zero. What you're looking for is square zero. But you want to call it square 53 and square 22 and square 31, but what you're looking for is square zero. And that's where you're looking from every moment. Yeah. I've had so many people come and go on, let's say, Wednesday nights, but I've been here every Wednesday night. 20-something years, I think. No, 20 years Monday nights. I don't know how long we've been doing here. I haven't missed a meet, one meeting that I've given, ever. Pretty good attendance record. Yeah? The only way I could have had that perfect attendance is that I've been absent every fucking time. <laughs> That's how you get perfect attendance, is by your own absence. If it was me coming here, I wouldn't come here. I have a lot of reasons why. Maybe I did something bad today to someone, so I don't deserve to be the conduit or the field of grace. Some fucking crazy exemption would arise in this head. But if I don't take that to be true, I just show up, and the same same happens every fucking time. Maybe not for you, but for me it does. That's why I come here. I sense that presence. <laughs> and <laughs> no one else was bringing it to me, so I figured I might as well do the job myself. 
sit here and incense it because I'm tired of paying a lot of money to see people every three months and some fucking and having to go through eight hours of sitting and three hundred dollars and eating just to have twenty minutes of seeing the dude or the lady. Fuck that. I want it's got to be more available than that to me. Yeah. So I entertain the possibility, and guess what? The possibility bore fruit. I started traveling on a very established, stabilized level of lighter. Yeah? And what more do you want than that? You may want to call it enlightenment and all like this, but what do you really want is an easing comfort in your situation right now, be it physical, emotional, mental. Yeah? And the only place that you're going to find that is in the quote-unquote spiritual. You're not going to have emotional stability without a spiritual one. You're not going to have a mental stability without a spiritual one. And the physical finally can find its stability when you get off its back. It's taking itself to be you. Yeah, It's the biggest, most oppressive idea the body has to live through, is that it's you. <laughs> the mind is giving it so much meaning, it's never going to meet the standards the mind wants for. Yeah, You'll be an urban renewal project for the rest of your life. You'll be constantly, if you're the thoughts and if you're the feelings and if you're this, you're going to be working on them forever. They're never going to, they're never going to be acceptable. Yeah? Not from this mental judgment shift. No way. It's when you're not this, then this can start being what it is, which is a vehicle. And maybe you'll get fucking finally healthy. And maybe you'll have emotional sobriety. Your emotions will become not so peaky. Yeah? They'll become, have an equanimity. Yeah? And maybe your mind will do what it's truly there to do. Not to reflect thoughts, but to re- reflect the infinite. Yeah? To look at its own original face. Like, uh, like if you see, when on a beautiful day where I go surfing a lot, when it's really calm, there's a lagoon before you get to the ocean. And the lagoon, usually there's wind on it all the time. And when there's wind on it, all you see is the surface. Yeah? You see tons of little ups and downs, and it's got darker brown. But some days it's totally calm, and at that point it reflects beautifully. So you're driving by, and you can see the sky in it, and you can see all the surrounding trees in it, and you can see it's like looking at its own original face. It's infinitely reflecting the open space. That's what mind is like. Now the mind is enslaved to reflecting the thought system, which keeps it fucking anxious and enslaved to ideas of the past, projected into an imaginary future. It constantly takes it away from its own salvation, which is the here and now, and puts it into the there and then. And it's always going to be agitated. Yeah? And now it's trying to seek relief, and how can agitation ever find relaxation? Yeah? But if I'm not that, if I lose interest in what my mind's reflecting, and let's say the little satellite dish or the reflective nature of mind moves from selfing and now tilts a little bit and now sees an infinite space, clear as a fucking bell, nothing happening in it, yet all there is is coming from it, it's going to have a big, big effect. Yeah, Your mind is going to chill out. You'll be able to enjoy peace of mind. You'll comprehend the word serenity. You'll know peace, like it says in the book of recovery. Beautiful statements. You'll comprehend the word serenity and know peace, finally. 
Because the peace is of the mind. The serenity is of the mind. Yeah? If the mind's agitated, there's no peace of serenity. They're just concepts that are whipping it even more into a frenzy. You know, I gotta get some peace, I gotta get some serenity. But when the mind chills out, when it gets freed from the from the seeming bondage of self, and that's the freedom, is you see that it's not so. All the inference, all the implying that there's a self can be going on, and it can never make a self. It can only make a self seem to be. Yeah? It can never produce what it's inferring. You do that. The mind makes the leap into the idea of being a self. The, the thoughts do not push you into the idea of being a self. They just infer that there's one. They imply that there's one. The mind in its ignorance makes the leap. It never sees this, it never sees itself, but it sure thinks it knows itself. Yeah? And it gets its reassurance by looking at its reflection, a physical reflection in the mirror, to give it a little bit of stability in its insane idea. But it's not this, and it knows it's not this. Yeah? That's why people say it's my body, I have a body, I'm in a body. Yeah? There's a knowledge that we're not a body. So I found if the center of the system of self, which is the source of all agitation, that's what's driving you crazy. If you're in the recovery, just go to page 60-something where it says, why are you in so much fear today? And it doesn't let you answer, which saves us a lot of time. Because the mind loves to be right, so it holds on to its stories. It says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? Now, I don't know how you can interpret that statement, in any other way, but that he's implying that the system of self-centeredness is a failed system. If the mind is relying on it, it's going to be a fucked mind. Yeah? It's going to, it's faith, which is a quality that mind has, put in the vehicle of this thought system is going to produce the anxiety that imagined action figure is going to have to live under. It's going to produce anxiety out of the faith of its own mind. Yeah? If you put it into the wrong vehicle, faith will produce anxiety. How could it not? How can something that's not happening, even if it's thought about, produce an effect? It's the faith of mind that does it. You believe in the thoughts. You believe that it could happen to you. And you're fucking concerned about it extremely. That's producing an incredible angst right now. That's a miracle, actually. Because it's not happening. You've got to see the power of the mind. Can you imagine if you gave that power of mind, the, the power to entertain and have faith in, to believe in things, and put it into nothingness and see what happens? Then maybe what you were looking for, you'd realize is what's actually looking. Yeah. So some of your attention and interest would get established, just like it says in that part of the book we were talking about, will get established in that state of upness, yeah? And it would produce an immunity to the constant pull to get back into things, yeah? To get back into things as a thing. Yeah? And you'd have some fucking freedom. Now. You know? Not at a later date. Not something that would have to be returned. That you'd have to, you'd have to live up to a warranty to keep. No. It would be always available at all times with no requirement necessary. Because you have fulfilled all the requirements. You are that. That's why they say in Buddhism, the enlightened mind and the ordinary mind are the same mind. 
It's the same mind. It's what it's reflecting. It's reflecting the thought system of self-centeredness, and it infers from that system that there's a self, and it gets bonded to that idea, voila. That's what it, wow, this is it. See it. See it in your life, see it in the microcosm, see it in the macrocosm. This is what it's entertaining. Now, the same mind could entertain some other possibilities. We're dropping something in. We're saying, hey, you're maybe not that. You may be not that long-lasting, independent, separate entity. You may not be the thinker. You may not actually be the feeler. You may not be beholden to the thoughts as yours. You may be able to just be free from them. Yeah? I have faith in mind. If it's given the right possibility, it can entertain itself into a, a lovely, lovely state. <laughs> and that state can stabilize and it will start calling it home. Yeah. It will get so... It'll, it, I mean... It will align with that state, not be bonded to it. Yeah. It won't have to identify with it because it will see its own nature. It will be it. Yeah. Much higher, much uh, stronger bond than a gluing, yeah, which is what mind's doing with the idea of being a self. It's bonded to the idea of, an, of self, but what you are is not even a bond. You're that, yeah. It's way past getting bonded or unbonded. So, it seems to be working, so. I should talk a little longer. You deserve more than 30 minutes. Yeah. You came all this way. Sure. How long did it take to get here? 40 minutes? We'll give you 40. <laughs> and Bernie's been a long time, so. So you hear the message. I'm a lion. Yeah? What the head does with it is I can become like a lion. That's not the message. Yeah? The message is you're a lion. And then you can... You're not a lion, obviously, but it's just this example. All right, so, okay. You, you like that hearing. It sounds good. I'm a lion, I'm a lion, I'm a lion, I'm a lion. But when it hits this ear, which is formed as a sheep ear, it's now I can become like a lion. That's bondage of self, again. Yeah. And don't think the mind is, is going to bow down and, and honor this message. It will morph it and try to make it into something just like it does everything else here just like every quote unquote great religion started out with a, a damn good message and look at what's happened with most of it same thing this thing has no respect for anything other than power Yeah, that's why we need a power greater than it that's the only thing it respects yeah Selfing's like a parasite. It doesn't have, doesn't see, oh, that's noble. It doesn't see anything in that. It's the only thing it's afraid of is power. Yeah? And it meets its match when it sees this, because this is a power greater than self, like it says in recovery. And it's the only way you're going to get out of a mental disease is not through the mental process. You've got to find another aspect of mind to go to. Some people give it the terminology called spirit, but, you know, it's just mind. So what, Bernie, 
we used to talk about selfing. So people were sometimes at a consequential level. They didn't really know what was going on. They thought they did, but they didn't. And then they'd come to a meeting, and then people would be describing, you know, your mind is, let's say, you know, selfing. Just going off, trying to catch you, catch your attention, and then hook you, you know, with an idea of being a self, all right? So there's the selfing. So now the people hear that, and now they call me up and they go, oh, I've been selfing all day, yeah? That's the product of selfing, the feeling of being the one who's doing it, yeah? So they haven't seen the problem yet. They saw what was being used to tie the noose, but they're still hung, in a way, yeah? Because they say, oh, so I've been selfing all day. No, you haven't. It's just selfing. Or selfing's been really fucking with me today. No, it hasn't. It's just selfing. That's all it is. It's just another activity like the blood being pumped. The, the mind, the brain is producing a sense of a self. Yeah? And the thought system is there to reinforce that and support that. So that's what it's doing. Yeah? So the point is, the selfing is a verb. Yeah? That's all it can do. But it infers that there's a noun. So in that that uh, example, the person heard about the selfing as a verb, but when they when they got engaged with it, it made up a noun again. I'm sel- I'm doing the selfing, or the selfing's fucking me. Yeah, that's the noun, the one that's doing it or being fucked by. Yeah, that's selfing also. So now you see that. So here's selfing, and now the pop up is, oh, I've been selfing all day. That's the real. That's the product of selfing, not this. The verb is just the verb of selfing. The product of selfing is when the mind gets engaged with the selfing and it, it takes on the sense of being a noun. Yeah? So now, okay, now you see it. I'm saying this is also a verb. The one that's being, the one that thinks it's doing the selfing is selfing. Yeah? The one that thinks it's being done to by the selfing is selfing. See it, Sonny? Yeah? And I'm saying there's no point where the selfing stops and a noun pops up. And I'm also saying the selfing is finite. It can't go on infinitely. It's a process. It has to be made. So the mental process is making it. So when you have an interruption of the selfing and the noun doesn't pop up, that's the pause. You feel a pause. You feel a pause where the selfing has been seen and the noun hasn't popped up. That's the pause. That The noun is the pseudo-insertion over what you really are. You're the pause. The mental process makes up a noun to cover the pause. Yeah? So there's the selfing, and then there's the recognition of the selfing, which is the pause. There's no thing there that's seeing, seeing the selfing. There's just seeing. But then the mind goes... I'm I'm seeing the selfing. It replaces the pause with a noun, this identification. That's the bondage of self. Yeah? I'm saying every time it pops up, you're not that. It's going to run out. When it runs out, what you're left with is a pause. That's you. You're the pause. Yeah? Now, if you want to make it an experience, then that Paul pops up again. The pause will be an experience Paul had. Yeah? And there's the noun of selfing again. The selfing produced the goods. Okay? What would happen if you don't buy the noun Paul popping up and you still see it as a verb? Yeah? You're going to sense the pause that's all around that activity. 
you're going to sense the presence of your own nature, which is not this verb-noun activity. Yeah? It's way beyond that. Yeah? You're going to sense it. It's going to become tactile. You'll feel it while you're walking around. Yeah? Because you'll see the verb, and all you'll recognize, all you'll sense is the seeing of the verb. The verb won't be seen, and then the noun pop-up will occur. You won't buy it. Yeah? It'll drop down just like all the verbing does, and then it runs out, and then you'll have a real free, big free sample of a pause, but after a while you'll just sense the pause all the time. Because there will no be, there won't be the switch from verb to noun. You'll just see the verb, and when the verb ends, there ain't no noun. There's just that. Yeah? The context of what's happening will be felt instead of what's happening in the context. You as a noun is, con- is content. You as what you are is context. You and I as a noun is content. It's produced by the mind in selfing. The context is what we are. Yeah? Which is, I would say, more like pause than anything else. And I know all of us in this room has had the sense of a pause. That's why I like to use it, especially in recovery. It's one of the biggest things in AA for me, was the pause. It changed your whole life. Yeah. changes a day, it changes years, it changes anything. Once the noun doesn't arise, and that's just left to be that, there's your freedom from the bondage of self. Now you can call it home and really let it stabilize, or you can keep going back to the fault pseudo-noun and then claim it as an experience, and then seek for it and seek for it and drive yourself crazy. Because you'll want to be there when you get it, when it gets good, and it's not going to get good while you're there. Yeah, you and I are not going to have an experience of our own absence. We're not. <laughs> that does, it doesn't work out that way. It really doesn't. So if people are coming to these meetings waiting to get it, they're fucking waiting as a now to get what they can't get as a now. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen 20 years from now. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's seeing that there is no now. That's it. Yeah. Yes. And of course, see, you have stories. There's going to be. This is a great storytelling place, but to be had by a story sucks. Yeah. To have stories, participate in stories, great. I mean, I love it. But to be had by a story, where the story bonds you into the, as a noun, you're fucked. Yeah? Something is lost that you can't get as a noun. Yeah? You can't have it, you can't get it, you can't privatize it, you can't corral it, you can't usurp it, you can't take it from someone, you can't give it to someone. Yeah? Can't be approached, nor can it be departed from. It just defies all the mental logics that could arise in this little mental conditioning. It defies it and squishes it and makes it paradoxical and flips it out. And the thing, it's never going to bend to fit this mental condition. The mental condition is seen not to be us, and then we fit ourselves around that.
So any questions today? Yes. Well, Paul, again, I just wanted to ask you about this uh, sentence that I read from the Zen master. Uh, said that uh, transforming the dualism of self-centered thoughts into the non-dualism of direct experience is what practice is all about. And that seemed really cool to me. You know, but I just thought maybe you could how about realizing you're not in the dualistic thought system, so you don't need to transform it, and then you're in the direct experience. Save yourself some time. Because yeah. it's going to be a long job to transform the dualistic thought system. <laughs> you just see it's not about you, and it's much easier. Yeah. Let it be what it is. That's what it's doing. It's, so like, it's like trying not to breathe. You're going to be breathing, you know? It's going to gulp for air sooner or later. Yeah. But if you're not engaged with the dualistic thought system, then what's, you know, you don't have any problem with it in a way. It's just what it is. But the practice, maybe practice can transform it, but do you have the time and the energy to do that? Are you going to go dedicate your life into a Zen temple right now? So if you have that set up that that's the way it has to be, and you're not going to do it, then you're going to exclude yourself from the possibility of entertaining that freedom. Yeah? To me, that doesn't serve me doesn't serve anybody. That's what mine will do. Mine will take away and make it the way, and then it will point out that you're not going to take the way, and then it's going to be no way for you. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> if you think that's the only way it can work, I bet you have a huge reluctance to take that way. <laughs> so you can verify, see, it's not working. <laughs> I'd rather just be free from it all, you know? Just have a, free from the need to be liberated, free from all that, you know, just entertain. For me, all I did was, all that other stuff I was practicing and attempting to do, when I heard this message, a lot of that fell off, and now I don't do anything, and it's probably the best quote-unquote practice I've ever been in. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Seriously. Your mind is, it's more about diffusion, not concentration. It's more about a relaxed awareness, like they say in Buddhist Dokjen, you know, Tibetan Buddhism. It's not to be vigilance, it's not concentration, because that always has a stake of you involved in it, you know. Who's yeah. going to be vigilant? Who's going to be concentrated? You know, for me it's diffuse, it's relaxed, it's just uh, diffused is more, is more the biggest one for me. It's just a, it's a wide open lens, not a lens that's being contracted on a single point, but a pointless just viewing, you know. Yeah. And the sense of uh, freedom seems to match what I used to read about, you know. But just taking out all the practices, <laughs> which I like, because I'm not going to go. I already went to India a few times, I don't feel like going anymore. <laughs> I don't want to go sit 13 hours a day. I used to do that in Thailand. I don't want to eat lousy soup at 10.30 in the morning and come lose 20 pounds in 14 days because I don't eat there and walk around stupas. It's nice. You know, I like the clothes, the white clothes. You wear pajamas all day. I dig that. But then I don't want to walk seven hours and seven hours sitting, meditating. 
for what's my natural state. To me, if you really look at it, practices are a way of staying here. You know, what we're really afraid of is being in the abstract. You know, really letting go. So in a way, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> You go to a temple to sort of anchor yourself here, not to have a spiritual journey. The spiritual journey is day-to-day living. <laughs> you go into a temple to get, you know, materialized, you know what I mean? To concretely anchor somewhere. <laughs> because you can just go off in this place. <laughs> really, can't you? You, you see something and it just opens up and you just go off. And a lot of us don't want to want to be, we don't want to be free, you know. The mind wants to want to be free, but it doesn't want to be free. There's no fucking way. It's, it's got a big insurance policy against that out. <laughs> That's why it's surrounded with concepts, because it doesn't want to be free. <laughs> that scares the bejesus out of it. It doesn't mind looking like it wants to be free. No, that, it can do that. It can sit for a long time and do anything like that. But to be free, whew. So, <laughs> let's yourself off all the hooks, you know. There's no, you don't have to do anything if you don't want to. Just be willing to be accountable for what you do or don't do. Yeah. I find. I have certain ways I have to live. If I break those ways, it creates a lot of agitation, emotionally and mentally. So, if there's any preference, I'd rather go away from that. I'd much rather have a quiet life. Works better. Yeah. I think if you have a lot of stuff, the stuff owns you, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to have more money, but not a whole lot of money. You know, I don't need three cars. I don't, you know, I just want to have the physical condition enough that I can enjoy what I like to do and have the time to do what I like to do and to participate in people's exploration in this stuff. Because I'm constantly exploring it. Yeah, very curious, enthusiastic about mind, letting mind get unsaddled, so to speak, unharnessed, like a free-range mind. Let it roam a little bit and entertain possibilities that aren't based on quantity and thinness and, and form, but on some formless stuff or no stuff. Yeah, see what it does for you. Because yeah. if you're satisfied, you'll know. You won't have, no one has to, will have to tell you. You'll know it. You have the ability to recognize what's going on. You are your own authority sooner or later. Yeah? You can't keep depending on people telling you where you're at and what's going on. You've got to make a stand sooner or later and say, like, I had an unspoken yes about this and I stood with it. And it's proven to be quite so. Yeah? I didn't feel motivated. I had to have it checked out and notarized by anybody or say I look from a lineage of other people that think they got it. You know, don't need to sit here with a picture of a saint that doesn't even know me and say, I you learn from him. If he, if he saw me, he'd say, who the fuck are you? You know, I don't need to do that. What's the point? Just come here and share my experience, strength, and hope. Yeah, I'm very pragmatic. This worked. It relieved me of the bondage of self. Fuck. What more do you want? If you would relieve of the bondage yourself, you'd see that's the problem. You would. It would be clear as day. From the relief. Yeah? You can know that it's the bondage yourself, but then there's another way of knowing it, which is the relief from the bondage yourself. There are two ways of knowing. 
Yeah? Knowing is like when you're under its thumb, and then you get a sense, this is really fucking claustrophobic like this. You get, and it's, it's a form of knowledge of it, but there's nothing like the knowledge when you get relief from it. When you get relief from it, you really know the problem from the solution. You really do. And from the, from the solution's point of view, the problem is truly imaginary. It's an activity of mind. It's not a real situation. Yeah? Now, when you're in the problem, it seems real, so you need a real solution. This real solution, when entertained, shows you the problem's imaginary, and then there's no need for the solution either. Why would you need a solution to an imaginary problem? That goes also, like that, seriously. And that's why it lasts, because there's nothing you can lose and get, or misplace, or get disconnected from, or get closer to. It's not like that. It's just a basic fact that you're awake. That's your inherent quality here, is your mind is awake. <laughs> That's its inherent quality. Yeah? It's like, you know, you can try to polish it and make it more awake, far out if you're motivated to do it, or you can leave it alone and it will reveal its awakeness to you. Who cares, really? But to get the primary point as the primary point, I think, is important. Let's be very clear that you are inherently awake here. Yeah? No matter how asleep you may seem to be, and how, how, much, how confused you are by all the thoughts of here and there, and that and then, all of that, all those trances and experimental states still do not belie, still do not deny the fact that you're awake. Now, it's a damn good thing to get the fact straight. And let's get that one straight, you know? Like, you're awake. You're inherently awake. And maybe if you would just stop giving up these insane, unbelievable uh, possibilities, like, I cannot be here, you know, that past and future is more important than now. <laughs> you know what I mean? That I'm a body. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you could maybe hold them with less uh, fervor, and then the rawness of mind would crack in and you'd get free samples and you'd come to some deep conclusions in and of your own finding out. Not knowing or studying, but you'd find out. Find out is a much deeper form of knowledge. And in deep sleep... Yeah, there's your... In deep sleep... That is the awakeness. Yeah. While this is going on, this has to be totally oblivious to the awakeness or the whole charade would be blown out of the water. Yeah? Wouldn't it? If you had a sense of being that awakeness of that deep sleep, <laughs> how would you take the self so seriously all day? Yeah? So the deep sleep is forgotten. It's at least it never happened to the, the ego-centered or the self-centered mental condition. It has to deny that that established uh, state when you go to sleep every night, or its whole little gig would be blown up. Yeah? <laughs> it would be huffing and puffing, and we, it would just fuck it. Let the house be. <laughs> you know, it would be trying to blow all these houses down. It would just be, fuck it. You know what I mean? You would be living Rule 62, not take yourself so seriously. <laughs> This is how it's supposed to be, in a way. But it can also be that you're you're at least aware that you're aware. You know, at least you're conscious of the fact that there's awareness. Yeah. 
just let it seep in a little. Maybe it will leaven your day a little bit. You'll just chill out a little bit. Maybe you can have fun when the fun's there to be had, you know? You won't be enjoying, you won't have to fucking try to harvest old fun from your memories. Oh, I remember when I had so much fun. What about now? Or, oh no, but when I was, you know? Or hopefully an imaginary harvest of a future fun. Yet right now, you're fucking, you're, you're off the pulse of life. You're way up feeling the elbow or something. You're not even, you're not even aware that you're aware. <laughs> I mean, the boat's going to end, you know. The boat, the ride's going to be over. This physical little ride is going to end. Yeah? It would be nice to entertain what's not going to end while you're on the ride. Because it's going to be a rude awakening when the ride ends and you're expecting your mind to tell you that the road ended. The ride, ride ended, but it ended when the ride ended. It's not interpreting anymore. It's not hovering above the events. It's over. Finito. Bumbo. The little voice box gets turned off. Yeah? It's not the long-living soul. It's not, not, it's not the soul that talks. It was a mental fucking megaphone. That's part and parcel of the body experience. And when the body dies, it ends. Yeah? It would be nice while we have this possibility to maybe put a, a little bit, at least a little bit of attention on what's so, always so. While everything seems to be so, and we're dealing with it on all the degrees of importance that we're giving it, but maybe hold a little bit of attention on what's actually so. Yeah? So that when this ends, we'll, at least some of our mind will be resting on what's so. Yeah? Maybe it will be a smoother transition. <laughs> yes, it'd be a rude awakening if you're taking yourself to be this and suddenly this <laughs> and then you go oops <laughs> oops I had 85 years to put a little bit of attention on it and I missed the boat and then it was oops sorry but I did really good out there. I had a lot of money. And just, <laughs> Oops, my pants have been down the whole time. I didn't know that. I was missing something. I find it's a good idea. Really, I do. Now I'm just... You can't let me out stay in the pasture too long. <laughs> <laughs>